Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. When I've dialed the non-emergency number in the city, it always routes to 911. It's always been extreme wait times. And then call takers are, are I, th- I think I used the term earlier, stretched thin. They usually seem frustrated or um, like annoyed that we're calling. I have never witnessed the dispatch center doing a storm is something to say. These people are great at their job. They're multitasking. But to get 1,000 calls, which is over 100% of what you're normally used to, is taxing. The first weekend of July brought severe thunderstorms to the metro St. Louis area, taking out power and interrupting internet service across the region. The weather conditions also created dangerous situations for people on roads and in their homes. And tragically, two people lost their lives, 33-year-old Catherine Cohn in the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood of St. Louis and five-year-old Robert R.J. Lawrence III in Jennings in North St. Louis County. Both were fatally injured by trees felled by the storming, Cone in her car and Lawrence in his home bedroom. And in each case, people nearby, ranging from business owners and other people in the area to family and nearby neighbors, all called 911 for help that did not arrive in time. Sebastian Montez was a nearby neighbor who was among many people who called 911 to try to help Cohen. He told the Post-Dispatch on July 4th he felt hopeless waiting for help to arrive. They show up and then they try to, when they show up, they're like, she's still alive, she's still breathing, she got a pulse. And then I sit on the back just watching and then they try to get the whole thing. And then about 30 minutes later, they're like, she's gone. And then you can see the spirits of everybody just kind of like dispersed out. And then I'm just sitting there. They're like, you know, I think we could have saved her. Now, extreme weather events aside, shortfalls have plagued the 911 system in the St. Louis region for quite some time. The tragic loss of two lives brings attention once again to issues that impede effective emergency response. And there's both data in numbers and in real-life experiences that point to areas of urgent operational need. Joining me in studio to talk about that with a distinct experience and perspective is Karishma Furtado, former Senior Director of Data and Research with Forward Through Ferguson. Welcome back, Karishma. Thank you, Elaine. And thanks for being here. Now, uh, before we begin the conversation, we had talked about a 911 dispatcher joining our show, and we had planned to bring you that experience today, but we've been unable to connect for today. So we hope to bring you that experience in a future show. Now, Karishma, when you heard about what happened in, again, both St. Louis City and St. Louis County, um, what was it that came to mind or to memory for you? Yeah, first, tragic, um, deeply 
saddening that this this happened. Um, so my first instinct was one of immense sympathy for Ms. Cohen's family, for Robert Lawrence's family as well, and then was struck by a sense that this was not altogether surprising. Um, certainly, the 911 system was overrun that day and experiencing volumes unlike um, the norm. And under the normal circumstances, I think we have plenty of experience and data that suggests that our system is stretched thin and catastrophically thin, as was revealed that day in early July. Yeah. No, you are here because of the work that you did with Worthy Ferguson, and you are no longer with that nonprofit organization. But during your time there, the org began an examination of the 911 systems in St. Louis County and in the city of St. Louis. Um, can you talk about the, the data regarding reasons people call 911? Yeah, absolutely. So I had the privilege of, of leading this study of the region's 911 system. We wanted to get a sense of the lay of the, the 911 uh, land, so to speak, and why people were calling and using 911, what it felt like to live within that system. So we looked at call data from across five years, 2015 to 2020, about 4.2 million calls. And this was just focused in St. Louis County uh, PD. And we found that, as in other cities and and regions, the primary reasons people call 911 are not for experiences of of violent violent crime or major crime, as as the FBI um, categorizes it, but rather for um, emergencies, oftentimes, um, oftentimes non-emergencies, but somewhat more mundane things like needing some sort of service. Uh, we found that 9.1% of the calls were for house alarms going off. About over one in 10 were traffic related. Uh, one in four were traffic or medical uh, related in, in nature. And really only 20% of those calls, those uh, millions of calls over those years were uh, related to some sort of violent crime. Right. And part of the reason I wanted to bring that up is that in St. Louis, for um, for many reasons that have to do with you know, narratives around what uh, what plagues the city, that people associate nine one one with crime, mm-hmm. and yet the numbers that you were looking at did not indicate that right. that was the case. Suggest otherwise, for yeah. sure. And I would I would say that certainly that narrative, that mental model of what 911 is for, um, echoes strongly in, in St. Louis, and not just in St. Louis. If you look at the origins of the 911 system in the 60s in response to um, civil unrest in urban cores, um, in response to um, perceptions of, of civil injustices, um, the 911 system was created as largely a, a system of control and, um, yeah, trying to, to keep people in line and, and tamp down this kind of civil disobedience and unruly behavior. And mm-hmm. I think we still operate from that kind of headspace of 911 as a tool to correct some types of, of behavior like crime mm-hmm. as opposed to one of protection for all. And right compassion for all. I'd like to invite you into the conversation. Have you had to dial 911 in recent years? What was your experience like? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Um, 
So we've just talked about the reasons people call. The data itself is something that I'd like to talk with you about. And there are times when it seems like people saying, you know, look at the data is assumed to mean a whole lot of things, but it's not really explained. And data is not nearly as as simple Mm -hmm. as people maybe would like it to be. So um, talk with us about uh, the the data that you were looking at in order to put this uh, report together. And that report, again, is the Ferguson Transforming 911 Report. Right, and it can be found alongside a host of storytelling and profiles of, of folks at transforming911.org. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned already, Elaine, the this first set of analyses that are profiled and featured in this report came from St. Louis County PD, the largest um, police department in, in the region and the largest 911 um, call center, dispatch um, center in the, the region as well. That data consisted of all the calls received within those five years um, and all the categorizations of those calls as well, which to I appreciate the point that data sounds easy and like the source of all the answers, but is rarely um, so for those of us who get the privilege, truly it is one, to sit down with it um, because it was a lot. As you can imagine, the system needed to categorize um, calls and shunt them where they need to go, direct EMS, police, fire, sorts of responses, um, is complicated. And so we get to partner with um, our friends at AH Datalytics, who have done this kind of analysis for other cities uh, many times, to start to make sense of what was going on within this one set of data alone, to start making meaning of those um, nature codes or codes that categorize the um, purpose of the call and the the needed response to that call. and to start analyzing it uh, from there. So insofar as the that categorization, so the practical impediments that exist to even starting to get data together, even before you analyze as well, mm-hmm. so lack of standardization? Certainly. If we So I mentioned that we focused on St. Louis County PD and, mm-hmm. and the calls that they received only. If we wanted to put together, like, ideally a holistic picture of what was going on in the region across all of uh, the municipalities and all the different uh, PSAPs or public safety answering points or call centers for 911, um, we would have a gargantuan task in front of us. And so we knew going in that we were not going to be able to accomplish that because of the um, fragmentation of our 911 landscape and the implications of that uh, fragmentation for the data analysis, the, yeah. the pulling everything together, not to speak of all the sort of practical um, realities of that in terms of delivering 911 and other municipal services. Mm-hmm. So each one of those PSAPs collects data differently. Yeah. Each one of them has their own customized system. They're all slightly different. And so the process of even getting them to agree to share the data with us would have taken months and months and months. It took months and months to get just one county, one PSAP's uh, data, um, and then the process of aggregating and harmonizing that data to be able to actually analyze it would have taken even longer. Right, right. Now, Jessica is calling from St. Louis uh, with some 
perspective from a, a personal uh, experience point of view. Jessica, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hi, yes. Um, so I have, like I was saying with our guy, I have like both personal and professional experience, and it's unfortunately been negative. Um, I worked for a crisis hotline, and anytime we would call needing support for our crisis clients, it, we would be on hold wait times for 10, 15 minutes. Um, I think the longest I was ever on hold was like 45 minutes. And the same was, it holds true anytime I've called in regards to like personal accident or something it's always been extreme wait times and then not met with much compassion or respect by the answers the dispatchers they usually seem frustrated or um like annoyed that we're calling for help mm-hmm. you're nodding krishma <laughs> yeah it's deeply unfortunate that, that that was jessica's experience but again aligns with, tracks with what we've seen in the data, not just from Forward Through Ferguson's reporting, but from other, including um, St. Louis Public Radio's reporting and other news outlets reporting on what 911 is, has been like from people's ex- experience. Um, call takers are, are, as I think I used the term earlier, stretched thin. We're widely understaffed in, in those uh, departments, and they're undervalued as, as well. Mm-hmm. They're not compensated as they should be. They're not classified the way they should be so that they're protected legally and, and just valued in, in a profession that is incredibly hard. Right. And I and, and that all translates to the experience that a person like Jessica or many of us have had on the line with them all too often, I yeah. think, despite the best of efforts. Thank you for your call, Jessica. Jessica called us at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. The line is also open to you. Next, next, that is, let's hear from Ryan in St. Louis. Ryan, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi there. Thanks for taking the call. Um, my experience is when I've dialed the non-emergency number in the city, it always routes to 911. And my question is, you know, does the data that you're uh, – that you're showing, does it reflect that? Does it show that that is a non-emergency call, even though the 911 dispatchers are assisting with that? And also, does the dispatcher know that that is a non-emergency call coming in, uh, you know, in order to handle it properly? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Ryan. Our data start after the point at which such categorization, if it happens, is, is made. So to, in our data set, um, all calls are equal emergency, non-emergency. And so I, I can't directly speak to whether a call taker, a dispatcher, is able to discern whether an incoming call is an emergency call coming through 911 or uh, a non-emergency call coming in through the non-emergency line. But I think that's a, a very interesting question worth um, examining as we think about how we can better triage and, and route attention where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the um, the experience of dispatchers, um, as you said, they are not paid enough. There are not enough of them. Um, when it comes to the work that they're doing, um, was there any indication, maybe in some of the the storytelling or in anecdotes that you heard of the qualitative data, mm-hmm. um, as to why that's happening and whether there is a difference between the way 
folks are experiencing things in the county than in the city? I don't know that I can speak necessarily to the differences in how folks are experiencing working in the 911 system in the city versus the county since most of our evaluation and research has thus far focused on the county with active plans underway to do similar types of work in the city. We also have Lisa calling from the Central West End. Um, Lisa, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Yes, so please. I'm a, oh, uh, go ahead. Uh, Central West, I'm a Central West End resident, and I kind of also wanted to point out, in case you haven't discussed, um, I've had pretty good responses um, with a non-emergency police number. Often I have to kind of weigh which one do I want to call, mm-hmm. you know, 911 or the non-emergency. So that said, um, most recently, meaning this year, had... Oh, two, two to three instances where continue hold, hold, hold. Sorry about the sirens going by. Well, on uh, you know on nine one one with just having to eventually hang up. So, so and you know, um, moving on from from that, I just want to say I get exasperated having to listen to. County versus city. Sure. Issues. And um, thank you. We'll we'll sort of take that up. So county versus city is something that we're looking at, or not versus. It's actually and mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And what was the reason for approaching data in that way? Half a just, you know reality of where things stand. I think a lot of us agree that thinking in this fragmented way doesn't feel good in in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and it is our reality right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if, and if we want to imagine a, a system in a future that is more holistic um, and, and not so broken and, and divided, I think um, we've got to build from, from where we are and, and move forward from there. And St. Louis City and St. Louis County are the largest police and 911 um forces in the region. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to, to start with them. And just in this last minute, what is the kind of data that you think we need to be looking at, um, whether it is available or not, when it comes to addressing these systemic issues with 911 and emergency response? Yeah, I, I think more harmonized data, or at the very least data from more PSAPs made publicly available on calls coming in from where, how long it takes to respond to them, and, and nature code would be tremendously useful in helping to calibrate a 911 system that's uh, better suited to the region's needs Mm -hmm. and helps us in the research space to be partners in accountability for our government services. And do you think we're on our way to that? I think that there are some promising signs. Mm -hmm. We definitely will pick up this conversation again. Thank you to those who called. We appreciate your um, your contributing to this conversation. Krishma Furtado is the former Senior Director of Data and Research with Forward Through Ferguson. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks a lot. Today's segment was produced by Aula Kuzitz. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. 
Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.